Hey, launchers, welcome back. Today, I'm thrilled to be chatting with Andre Henry, a lawyer who works with entrepreneurs and specifically loves to help them create a business built to take care of you during your life's ups and downs. So if you are thinking about launching soon, if you're wondering if you have all your legal ducks in a row, you want to listen in. You're listening to the Launch Playbook Podcast, the weekly podcast for service-based business owners to discover the starts, stops, and tools of transformation that go into launching their online offers. I'm your host, Sarah Martanian, and if you want to launch your ideas into the world faster with more success and less burnout, well, friend, consider this show your secret playbook to get you there. Hey, Andrea, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Always a pleasure to chat with you. I am. I think this is going to be such a good episode because you and I have talked quite in length (laughs) about this through working together. You did a presentation recently in the Launch Playbook Club. So I cannot wait to dive into this with you for the listeners of the podcast today. Me too. So will you tell us a little bit, Andrea, about what you do and why you do it? Sure. So I'm Andrea Henry. I've been a lawyer for nearly 15 years on business and tax law. I'm a mom of three and I'm just really obsessed with entrepreneurship. I'm somewhat evangelical about the belief that entrepreneurship is the way for women to as close as possible to having it all. It's the way for us to have it all, right? To have thriving, protected businesses that allow us flexibility and freedom to live the life that we want. And it's really important to me, as I said, as a mom. And also we've talked about the fact that I'm a breast cancer survivor. And that really was my wake up call in my own business in terms of having a business that supports you and supports the life that you want to live in the way that you want to live it, as opposed to something that drains you, right? And so it's been really heartwarming over the last few years working with entrepreneurs and particularly women in business to help them create a business that supports them so that even if they're ill, even if they're dealing with family, even if they're just decided to take a sabbatical and go back back around, you know, Bali, their business continues to thrive and support their life. Thank you. And now before, Andrea, we get into all the questions about what, you know, entrepreneurs should have, can you talk us a little bit more about how you yourself apply this to your life through your, when you're when you're going through breast cancer? you actually launched something, right, to help take care of you. Yeah, absolutely. So before um, my diagnosis, I was very much a, like, you know, pay that member of the hustle bus. Like, you just <laughs> need to work all the time. <laughs> hustle is the only way that you're going to be successful. I didn't sleep a lot. If I wasn't looking after my kids, I was working. And if I wasn't working, I was looking after my kids. There was zero time for self-care. And I really thought that that was the only way. And I felt like if I stopped, the whole business would collapse. And then I had to stop, right? Like life made me stop. <laughs> it was involuntary. And one of the things that I learned through that journey was that in not paying attention to my feelings and not taking the time for self-care and not just like, you know, getting your nails in order, but like eating well and exercising and sleeping <laughs> more than five hours a night, that that Lee, that shows up in our body sometimes is illness. And so it was really clear to me that one, I needed to continue my business because I very much like to have a roof over my head. And, but I, I could not run it in the way that I was running it before because that I believe had led to illness. And so I went back to basics and I was like, okay, what does a business look like 
that allows me to work in my skills, allows me to have the time to rest, allows me to have breaks, and allows me to continue to make money even when I'm not actively in the business. And the two things that I found were team. So having other people working with you, whether it's employees or contractors, but members of your team who can do things in the business that you don't have to do. And assets, right? Those are the only two things really that help you make money while you're not working. And so I invested in team, but I also invested in creating intellectual property. And so I created a suite of templates and guides for Canadian entrepreneurs called the Secure Startup. And that has been such a, an amazing um, experience because oftentimes, especially when people are now starting out, they don't have a ton of budget for legal, but they want high quality legal support at the beginning of their business. And I wanted to be able to provide that. And then the benefit of having that intellectual property is, yes, it took a lot to put in place, but now those templates exist. And we revise them and we make sure that we keep them up to date with the law. Generally speaking, it's much less intensive in terms of the time we need to put into it than, you know, the traditional one-to-one services. So I would say investing in team and investing in assets, and in my case, intellectual property assets, really help the business to continue to grow. So like in 2020, we actually doubled. We doubled in 2018, 2019, 2020. Even though I was working far less in the business, taking much more time for myself, care, the better, and I have a, it's a bit of an affirmation for me, like the better care I take of myself, the more successful my business is. I've definitely seen that. That's amazing. Thank you for walking us through that, Andrea. I love how when you're talking about legal, you're not just talking about protection, although I know we'll get into that too, but you talk about how it can really allow us to grow a legacy. So you're saying like what it can also do for us is like grow assets, protect our intellectual property. Am I getting that right? Absolutely. So it is true, right? Like, and traditionally lawyers will tell you about all the horrible things that will happen if they the best in legal. And those things are true. I think we're, we're here to, to protect your business. But what is exciting to me is one, the confidence that comes with knowing that all of your legal ducks are in a row. You've had so many clients who've come back and are like double their, their sales, went after much bigger clients because they had the confidence to do it. But it's also looking at your business holistically, right? Like, what do you want your business to do for you? Is it that you want your business to allow you to travel 24-7, right? Like there's a legal framework that helps with that. Is it that you want to use your business to build generational wealth and leave a legacy? There's a legal framework that helps to do that and helps you to do it in a tax-efficient way. Are you building your business to sell it? Again, legal considerations going to that. And so I very much like to approach it. One of my coaches say, you make the decisions from the place of the goal. And so when I'm working with clients one-on-one, it's very important for me to understand what is it they truly want. Not what they think they can get, but what do they truly want? I'll work backwards from there to figure out, well, what do you need to put in place now? What's the legal framework that you need? Where are the opportunities that will arise or that you can go after? And what are some of the pitfalls that can attack that dream and how can we prevent those from happening so that you can get to the business that actually supports the way that you want to live. I love how you speak about the possibilities there because I think so often as business owners, we're kind of like focused on the right now or maybe like three yes. months from now. Yes. It's like we need to make money. We need to be consistent, all those things. Yeah. But I like how you speak to that possibility of like, here's what you can actually do and it's possible for you. And here's 
how? Yes. <laughs> like the real way to get there. That's the exciting part. Like, you know, when you're first, especially when you're now starting a business, it is hard to think long-term. I absolutely get that. You're just like, ah, like everything feels like just white knuckling it through <laughs> every decision. But after you've been in it for a little while, even if it's just a year or so, you really want to think about what, what do you want? Like, this is why I'm obsessed with business because to me, it is literally a dream machine, right? It is, it is a vehicle that takes us to our dreams in a way that I think is difficult for other things because what you can be, you can be a great employee and have an amazing job. I know there are lots of people who continue to have their job and have their business as a side hustle. But what has always concerned me about being an employee is that someone else decides how much money you make, right? And what opportunities you can take on and what impact you can make. There's always someone else, you know, it might be a high position, but there's someone else who has some level of control over that. Business really allows us to, so I'm not creative when it comes to like art and design, I never draw. But to me, our business allows us to be so creative because whatever it is that you dream about, whatever lifestyle you want, whatever you want to do, there is a way to grow and run your business to match that. Yes, I, I like that so much. And I think like, again, I'm going to say like, I feel like it's everything seems possible. Like, so even as our life changes and things happen, yeah. like they did with you, mm-hmm. and like happens with all of us, like we can put those things in place to actually achieve those goals that we want to have those dreams we want so we're well set up so before we dive into further details can you summarize for us the top things we need in place as online business owners who are let's say launching digital offers online group offers things like that i think there are three main pillars for any for any startup and we'll go into a little bit more detail for the online space but three main pillars are your corporate structure like how do you own your business all of the important contracts so any business rooms or relationships and any important relationship deserves a contract. And then your intellectual property. So we talked about assets. For online business owners in particular, uh, for people with online offers and courses and, and programs, your intellectual property is the most significant asset in your business, right? That's your genius, all of your content, your systems. That's your intellectual property. And that's really what you're selling. That's what's going to, to fuel your business's growth. For online offers in particular, it's really important that you have the terms and conditions on your website and that you make sure that people are saying actively, yes, I agree to these terms and conditions. So as, as entrepreneurs, we go on journeys, not just of business growth, but of personal development. And a lot of you will have heard about setting boundaries. A contract is just another way to set a boundary, right? So the same way how we may say to clients, Hey, we're only available from nine to four, Monday to Thursday. Another boundary is, and when you purchase this program from me or this offer from me or this course, here's how I'm willing to provide it to you, right? And it could be, Hey, you can use it for yourself, but you're not allowed to repackage it and sell it in another format to someone else. You're not allowed to, to, to share it with other people without my permission. You're not allowed to be on, you know, on the comment board saying things that are really divisive or hateful. And you're going to show up on time. You're going to pay me on time. And I'm going to deliver this awesome content or this awesome program. So you're basically just setting out the story of the relationship. That's like the really big thing for online offers because you are creating the legal relationship as soon as the person signs up. And as soon as that person pays you, 
there's a legal relationship created. And you need to make sure that your client or your customer has agreed to the terms on which you're willing to, to enter into this legal relationship. If you're going to build team, it's also really important to have good contracts with that. And the online space, again, intellectual property is so important. And so, for example, if you were working with a graphic designer, you want to make sure that that graphic designer knows, hey, I may want to be able to protect this logo. I might want to be able to trademark it. You need to provide me with something that I would have the rights to, to trademark it, which means they may only be able to source, you know, design elements or fonts from certain places and not others because you want to be able to trademark it. And then segueing into that, your intellectual property. So trademarking is a really important step to take when your intellectual property is your key asset, because you want to make sure that the reputation that you've built up for yourself in the industry, whether it's through your name, the name of your program or your offer or your tagline, the things that people associate your business with, that that is protected and that no one else can use it. Really making sure that both in your contracts and in any registrations, for example, through trademark or even copyright, that you are protecting the key assets in your business because it's protecting them that's going to allow them to be valuable, right? So like if you think of a physical asset, none of us would buy a million dollar house and not have any locks on it, right? We would always make sure the locks work. We would make sure the windows can be closed. And for some of us, we might put an alarm system. Why? Because it's valuable. And if anyone can walk in and out of our house, it doesn't matter. Who are you selling your house to if you have no doors and no locks? Same thing with our business and our intellectual property assets. If everyone can use it, and it doesn't have any value. But if we've protected it and there is a reputation that comes along with it, people will be willing to pay to use it, to get access to it. And that's how we can generate more revenue, have more impact without spending more time. So the way you talk about putting these like protections in place, like talking about boundaries, at least for me listening and in talking to you, it's always felt so much less scary because before I have to admit, like before working with you and talking with you, I always kind of thought of like the legal thing is like scary and really almost like the unknown. And when you talk about it being a boundary, well, we get that, right? Like I get what a boundary is and I get good having a good relationship with people because that's what we want. So I really appreciate the lens with which you talk about law and the legal things are a business. Oh, I, that's how it makes sense to me, right? And I always say, and I know law and the financial side of things tends to be the most intimidating type of part of business. But like, honestly, I can't figure reels out. Like if you can figure reels out, you can figure out your contracts, right? It's, it's really just a matter of what you put a little bit of attention to. And it's, it, 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 it is hard and, and we're smart and ambitious entrepreneurs. And I know. I don't like to not know or to not understand. I'll give you a really quick story that you're going to laugh at, I think. So I spent two years in Paris as a student. It's lots of fun. Except I didn't like the French education system, at least how it was in the university. And they were trying to explain something and I, for the life of me, couldn't understand it. And I literally was in tears. Like I'm in this group, they're like 20-something other students and I am bawling. And the teacher came up and he was like, what is wrong? And he immediately, I thought this was so French, immediately thought it was a boy. He's like, oh, has he broken your heart? I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and he couldn't believe that it wasn't a boy 
And it was just like, I was so frustrated that I couldn't get the concept. And a lot of my other smart, ambitious friends are really similar. And so when we come against something that's not immediately easy to understand, we tend to just kind of put on blinkers and be like, that's too uncomfortable, so I don't want to deal with it. But I promise you with law, and you've had this experience, once you start breaking it down to like the basics, it's actually something that you can understand, you can master and start to really use in your business. It's true. I think one of the things that I have found specifically with you is like I did purchase contracts from your mm-hmm. secure startup and Thank the you. way you walk through how to set them up so easy and like the way you highlighted where to change things and now I feel like I know that I have solid contracts in place with both my like my VA and anyone you coming in and then also for like the clients who hire me and I just feel so much more at ease now when I send that and so much more confident it has taken this like weight off that I didn't even really know was there right (laughs) but but, like just as as these things happen as you start getting more ducks in a row you start feeling like that confidence yeah so speaking of legal templates does it matter where they come from like in terms of location so i'm glad you asked that in my mind there are a couple of criteria for what makes a good template and yes that is definitely one one of the issues there are lots of templates available for the u.s And I've had clients who have invested in contracts from the U.S. on the basis that, well, I didn't know what was available in Canada. And then you end up with references to laws, you know, the law of the state of New York and the courts of Texas and copyright acts and and infringements that aren't relevant to Canadian law. It's really important that you get a template that is designed for where you reside. And even within Canada, there are changes, right? So, and this is, it's, it's unfortunate. Lots of other things are global. So you can provide coaching to people everywhere. You can do copywriting to people everywhere. You can provide marketing to people everywhere. Law is quite specific to where you live. And it does make a difference if you're using contracts designed for someone who lives in the States and someone who lives here. And even within Canada, if you were, for example, in Quebec, you might not want to use contracts based on the common law because you have a different legal system. So that's really important. Having it designed for where you are. The second thing is ideally designed for your industry because someone who runs a bricks and mortar business is very different from someone doing an online offer, an online coaching program. It's also very different from someone, you know, making food or someone in the beauty industry. Each industry is going to have its specifics. And, you know, there's some industries where no one hires employees, where everything is an independent contractor. You need then an agreement that's going to reflect that. And then the third thing would be an opportunity for it to be customized. So while I understand that it's tempting to have a template where the only thing you put in is your name and the name of the other person and the date that you sign it, you really want to make sure that you have the ability to customize it to your situation. And the best templates will help guides and resources right there in the template or in the company and guide, which will tell you, hey, if you use X, then this is the clause that you need. But if your business runs like Y, then you should use this other option. And I'll give you, I think, a really quick story just to illustrate that. I worked some years ago with clients who were authors. I've seen they have these co-authored books. So like a chicken soup for the soul type of thing where they've got multiple authors. And the contract that had been provided by the publisher 
prohibited solicitation of employees after they were no longer working with the publisher, which was wonderful if the publisher had employees. Publisher had no employees, only independent contractors. And so some of the authors fought together and worked together to set up a new and competing company. And so the publisher was like, this is clearly in breach of your contract. But it wasn't because her contract prohibited them from doing that with other, with employees, not with each other as independent contractors. And this person, for the sake of just of a, of a contract that she couldn't customize to fit her business, which had contractors and not employees, she lost half of her business, right? Like half of the authors left. And so it's really, really, really important that you have contracts that can be customizable to fit the specifics of your business and that you have the guide from a, a lawyer who's actively practicing, who's providing that advice or that instruction in the, the guide or in the template itself. Wow, that is um, a really good example of why we need uh, yeah. to make sure that our contracts are really clear. Yes. <laughs> and... Because really calls out, I think, a fear that it can be on, you know, a lot of our hearts as business owners working with con- like other people is like, what if they take our stuff or what I've shown yeah. them and this is what could happen. So when do we know it's time to, let's say, I'm air quoting here, grow up, let's say from a legal <laughs> template into having a custom, sorry, legal templated contract to a custom contract? Yeah. That's a great question. So I will preface this by saying, if it's in the budget, the ideal thing is to work with a lawyer from day one. Like even with me giving this information, it's not the same thing as specific legal advice, right? That is customized for you. But I also understand the reality of when you're starting out, not having necessarily the budget. Where I think it's important to work one-on-one with a lawyer is as your business starts to grow and you're seeing traction and you're seeing opportunities, if you ever feel that I would like to do this, but I don't know, I don't know how I would do this or I don't, or I'm worried that, like, I'm worried about the liability or I don't understand the structure. That's a good time. That's a good signal that it's time to work with a lawyer one-on-one. The other time to be that you want to work with a lawyer is if you're doing any type of partnership or collaboration. If you are, if your online offer includes, for example, guesting on other people's um, offerings and receiving payment from that and and there's a, a collaboration aspect to it. I think that's amazing. Women tend to favor collaboration over competition, which is like working with women entrepreneurs. But it is really important. Those are always going to be specific to the, the individuals involved. And so that you can maintain a good personal relationship, you want to make sure that everything is laid out and you're on the same page. And so any type of partnership or collaboration, I think that requires you to, to be able to learn directly. Thank you for walking us through that. So now earlier you mentioned about how it's really important for online business owners to have clear terms and conditions that people have agreed to when they've purchased our product or offer. How do we go about getting them to agree to it? What do we need to do to set that up? Great. Thank you for picking that up. So I don't know if you've ever gone on a website and you may see in tiny, tiny print right at the bottom of the main page. Terms and conditions. That is not enough if that's what you're doing. It's really important that people have the opportunity to say yes or no. And the most common way to do that is by having a tick box, you know, on the checkout page. So people go to your sales page or you send them a link to the checkout page. And before they are able to click purchase or continue or whatever charges the card, there's a checkbox where they have to say, I have read and agreed to the terms and conditions. 
If you want gold stars and to feel even more confident, if you have anything in those terms and conditions where people are really giving up a lot. So for example, if someone is waiving the right to sue you, or if you are providing, if your online offer has anything to do or anything adjacent to health. So you're doing, you know, like a nutrition course or, you know, some type of fitness training, anything associated with health where you need to have disclaimers that, you know, there's risk associated with doing this. They're assuming the risk. You want gold stars, you'll have a second paragraph that says, I understand that, you know, this is a program about nutrition and that there are risk inherent and, you know, starting a new way of eating or starting a new exercise routine, for example. Because when something is really important, you want to make sure that it's not buried in the however many pages of your terms and conditions. And here in Canada, the case law, the courts have said, if you are drawing someone's attention to it and you give them the opportunity to say through a tech or through initials that they have agreed to it, then you'll be able to rely on it. It's why, I don't know if you've ever gone to one of these, I have taken my children, especially when they were younger, to the trampoline parks. And their oh, yes, waiver, you, right? Like, you've gone there. Yeah, right. <laughs> and do you see their waiver? So every paragraph, especially when you're like, yeah, they might break their necks and we still can't see you. They make you initial next to it. It's not enough to just sign your name at the bottom. They make you initial next to the really important paragraphs where you're giving up the rights to sue, where you're saying that you acknowledge that this, you know, there's an inherent risk in bouncing on something with other children who don't have coordination. And that's why they do it, because they want to be able to rely on it, as opposed to just making you sign at the bottom where you're like, I didn't know that. And they're the big bad company and you're the little consumer, so you're going to win. And so you want to make sure that you brought these things to your client's attention and that they agree to it before they pay you. So we need to make sure that those terms and conditions, it's a required check mark. Like you can't actually exactly. purchase you without can't purchase. saying yes. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And so what if someone listening doesn't have terms and conditions in place right now? Is it too late? Can they do something to minimize a risk? What's the path forward? Yeah. So. You know that old saying about the best time to plan to show you was 20 years ago and the next best time is right now? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that with law. So if you have, if you've been running your business making and there are no terms and conditions and no client contracts, and I should just back up a little bit. So if you're doing an online offer, my assumption is that that's how people are, are purchasing your offer. If you've got an offer that you host online, but how you sell is through a sales call and you're sending a contract after to people, then you may not necessarily need as robust terms and conditions. What you need then is a really strong client contract that you send to people, they sign, and then they pay. But if you don't have either of those things in place, you definitely can do it now going forward. For people who are already in your program, you can ask them, right? You can say, look, I put my big girl's panties on and I'm making sure that I'm doing everything right. And it's really important that we be on the same page. And a contract or a terms and conditions benefits not only you, but it benefits your clients as well because you have obligations under it, right? Like it's what is the level of service that they can expect from you? So if you want people to sign a contract or you want people to agree to new terms and conditions, how to position it is, hey, this makes sure that we are on the same page and we understand what this relationship is meant to be. And it's beneficial for you because I have to abide by these things. I have to make sure that if I promise you X, that I'm actually delivering it. And there are clear consequences if I don't. The same way 
other clear consequences if you reach your obligations. But unfortunately, you can't make someone sign it after if they've already paid you and have already started the program. But certainly for everyone going forward, it can be a requirement. So let's say it's really important for you that they do sign it. Mm-hmm. What are you like, and they don't want to, what can we do f- from there? Yeah, that's tricky. If you have, if you've taken their money and you've started providing the services, if you really, really don't want to, like, especially if this person is given signals that they're going to be a bit of a problem client, really the only way would be to refund, right? Like you can't keep the money and say, I'm imposing new conditions that you have to agree to. Our law doesn't allow you to do that. If it's really important to you to not work with someone unless they've signed it, and this is, again, especially the case, like I could probably see you only doing it if the person was clearly going to be an issue or if they had already started, for example, if you had some type of evidence that they had already started using your material elsewhere, then it would be to terminate the contract, refund them and move on from there. Okay, thanks. So if a matter does come up and let's say someone's copying a piece of a program mm-hmm. and using it in ways that doesn't work within our terms and conditions, yeah. and they've, of course, agreed to this, mm-hmm. what can we actually do about it? Yeah, wonderful question. So nine times out of 10, in fact, I was on oh, the Instagram, Instagram line and B Squared Social is the handle, had put out a post about people copying things word for word. And she was saying how successful she had been in asking people to take it down and going to Instagram. And there were like 80 plus comments where people say, this happens to me all the time. And I always think about saying something and then I don't bother because people aren't going to listen anyway. People listen. If you take the time to say, hey, and you don't have to do it in a way that makes you come across as a jerk, but you can just be like, hey, remember, so if it's someone in your program, remember that thing that you signed? Look. I'm happy for you to use this in, internally, but I'm not okay. This is something that I put a lot of time and, and effort and energy into. I'm not okay with you using it in your program. When we started working together, we agreed that this is how we were going to interact with each other. And this is not part of it, right? This is not something that I signed up for. And it's not something that you signed up for. And honestly, nine times out of ten, people will stop. I've done it for clients where we've sent not threatening at all, very nice letters where people have stopped. It's just so few, few people actually enforce their contracts and enforce their rights that when you take the time to do it, people pay attention. Because who wants a lawsuit that they're clearly going to lose, right? People do things because they they can get away with it because often people won't say anything. But I can't guarantee you, but in my experience, as I said, nine times out of 10, if you take the step to send a letter or an email or even like just a, you know, a, a DM saying, hey, this is what the issue is and you should stop it, people will do it. And if you're, you know, at a loss for what you would say in the templates of the secure startup, we include a cease and desist letter that you can send out on your own. Again, it's not particularly scary, although it can escalate, but it just sends out, hey, this is, this is what I realized that you're doing. It's not okay. I'm sure that you're going to stop it. And if you don't stop it, these are some of the things that may happen. And people tend to listen. I really appreciated that as part of your package I got. And I haven't yeah. had to use it. Good. But I like knowing that it's there <laughs> because I think that's one of the things when these situations arise, you know, like I'm messaging with like a best, my best bestie and being like, what should I say? How do I deal yeah. with this? But yeah. really, it's now lined out for me, right? Like I wouldn't have to do that. I have it. But I think that's also why we need you in our corner because 
it, it, it can feel a little bit scary and intimidating to send yeah. it down, even though yeah. we know we're in the right. Yeah. And I know right. that having you in our corner would be like giving help, give confidence to say like, yes, this, you're not overblowing this. This is okay to like ask them to stop. Yeah. Thank you. And again, and I have to say this on the book, particularly for women are junior, and because our assets tend to be intangible, right? It's not like we've invested in, I don't know, like income producing, like a 23 apartment building or something like that. Because they're intangible, we tend to value them less, right? And we're like, oh, well, somebody just, and lots of people do it. Well, it's yours. And the same way how you wouldn't allow someone to come squat in the house that you pay mortgage for right? You shouldn't allow someone to copy your intellectual property, right? And so it is hard. And I'm not a confrontational person either, which is why my letters kind of take the tack of, I'm sure you didn't really mean to do this because I know that you wouldn't because you've signed it and you know that you can't. So clearly this was an oversight, but just wanted to bring it to your attention. And as I said, most of the time people will, 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 will remove things immediately. I'll tell a story to do with your secure startup templates is that I have a low ticket offer and I did not have a terms and conditions on Mm -hmm. it. And I saw an Instagram story, someone who had bought it was, I guess, sharing her group she was teaching to. And she, there was like happened to be a screenshot of the whiteboard and it was literally the exact funnel map that I had given Ah. and like the exact ways I call it. And I know I call it a certain way because I call it like the OMG, you get me like certain Uh, like little phrases I use. And it was literally laid out there. And I was like, oh, like I didn't say anything. Uh Probably could have, I realized, but I didn't have terms and conditions. So when I did buy your package, I added that onto there going forward because I hadn't actually said how you could work with it and how you could use it. Even though I feel like, yeah, kind of there's like a good human impliedness about it. Yes. (laughs) The truth is I didn't, (laughs) I didn't actually have the protection in place. Yeah. So I do now. And so thank you for that. (laughs) My pleasure. Yeah. I mean, I think the majority of people are decent human beings. Some people just need to be reminded of what what makes a good human being, that thing? And I do think that because a lot of people don't say anything, it has become a little bit of a free-for-all on the internet where people figure, mm-hmm. oh, if it's online, I must be able to copy right? There's so many free resources available that I think sometimes it's just that type of mentality. Like, it's online, so it must be available for everyone. And we just have to remind people, no, there's a difference between stuff you've gotten off of YouTube and stuff that I've sold to you, and that is why. It all comes back to those boundaries, right? That's yes, yeah. So, Andrea, will you tell us more about where we can find you online? Sure. So, I tend to hang out mostly on Instagram. So, at Henry Business Law. Website is henrybusinesslaw.com for the one-on-one services. And if you are interested in these templates, then securestartup.ca. Sarah will be dropping a link as well because listeners can get a special discount through her link. But yeah, that's where I hang out. Securestartup.ca and Henry Business Law. Thank you. And all of those will be in the show notes, of course. Andrea, it was such a pleasure talking to you as always. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the Launch Playbook Podcast. If you want to get weekly launch secrets in your ears, I hope you'll hit subscribe on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Because who knows? It could reveal just a thing you've been looking for to make your next launch a success. And be sure to leave a five-star review on iTunes telling me how this episode inspired your launch plans. Until next time, keep putting your big ideas out into the world. I'm rooting for you.